I'm full of optimism. Einstein's theory of relativity. We're still seeing it quite well through that haze. E equals MC. That all men are created about the future innovations. And growing strength in the air. Tear this is Finding Your Frequency with your hosts, Jeff Spinard and Ryan Treasure. It's time to speak up, share your voice, and hear from the thought leaders. And ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Finding Your Frequency. I'm your host for today, Ryan Treasure. We have a great show and a great guest uh, today. We're going to be talking about some really important stuff as it relates to anxiety. Right. I know all of us, as we move through our professional lives and we become adults and take on responsibilities and all of those things, you can't help but have a little bit of worry. Uh, you know, you're, you're always like, oh, do I have everything ready for the kid for school? Do I have, uh, you know, my reports ready for work? And, you know, that back and forth and that teeter totter in your head and that work life balance can definitely lead to some anxious moments. And, you know, I myself has ha have dealt with that as the VP of operations here at voice America and having stringent timelines for delivery of content and uh, making sure that we're available for all of our customers, but also available for our family and our loved ones. And all of those things are extremely important. And what better way to talk about that, but to bring in Dr. Scott Symington. He's a licensed clinical psychologist and author of Freedom from Anxious Thoughts and Feelings. And what a great way to kind of bring him in with a quote. With the right information and encouragement, he believes people have the capacity for radical life transformation, whether that's breaking free from painful patterns of living or building a life that sings. Dr. Scott Symington, welcome to the show. Ryan, thank you so much for having me, and thank you for reading my life mission statement. That's what puts a spring in my step every morning. Well, awesome. You know, I was uh, on your website, guys, check it out, drsymington.com. And, you know, you have a lot of uh, information on there, a lot of resources, you know, information about your book, your speaking engagements, uh, media stuff that you do. You got a cool little quiz that's on there. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll navigate those waters and, and have a discussion around, you know, all the different things that you have on your site and all the things that you're doing. But I want to kind of just take a step back and, and start from the beginning and, and get it, get a little information for our audience on, you know, who, who, is uh, Dr. Scott Symington? What what is your passion? And you know, it, it takes I think it takes a lot for someone to say, you know, I'm going to sit down in a chair and listen to people tell me their problems. I'm going to help them with their their heart, their mind. I'm going to help them feel alive and provide freedom from these thoughts. And you know, for me, when I think about that, for that's a daunting task for anyone to take on. So, you know, my question is, you know, where did you find your frequency in life and and decide that you wanted to follow this path? I mean, it's it, it's interesting when I graduated from college in. 1993 as I left campus I said to myself oh my gosh I am so happy I'm never going to take a class uh, for for the rest of my life I'm done with school um, and little did I know that I had like 10 years left uh, of schooling because um, <laughs> after I graduated I actually uh, was in business for a period of time I, I was a food broker I lived overseas like so I was on a totally different trajectory and um and, and really got some positive, successful traction uh, being a food broker. But then in, in my mid-20s, just really uh, 
feeling flat internally in terms of just, okay, what's my purpose and meaning and what am I doing with my time? And I really reevaluated uh, everything, including what I was doing during the day, my, my work. And it was through that process that I really came to terms with, okay, I want to I wanna be a psychologist and it's a daunting task, uh, but that, that really lines up with both my head and heart. And then that took me down a, a totally different path. And so here I am all these years later, I have about 20,000 hours of clinical experience working with individuals and couples uh, on a range of different kind of issues and, and challenges. And really, I think what it comes down to for me is I'm a freedom junkie. Like when it comes to like psychological and emotional freedom, there is nothing more satisfying, deeply satisfying, deep in my soul, when I can locate someone internally that's stuck and partner up with them and then help kind of lead them out of that space so they can come into their own, like find their frequency uh, and, and, and have more aliveness, really sort of help become the best version of who they are. I mean, it really... When you have that experience and when it lines up with your head and heart and skill set, it, it's mind-blowing and, and you realize what a sacred privilege it is to be invited into people's lives at that depth and to help people at that level. So that, that's really what, what drives me and I, I am a huge believer that, that people have potential to radically transform their life. and if they have the right people and the right information come alongside them, they can really, really make positive changes. So I'm, you know, I'm an idealist, but I've also seen the change. So I, I, I feel like I've got a good reason for that idealism. Yeah, I guess it really helps to be able to see the end result of things that you've been working on and, you know, have somebody come in and, you know, start out at, you know, square one and then move towards a path of them having that freedom. And I, I, I completely agree, you know, having spiritual freedom or mental clarity and, and being able to not worry about, you know, 25 things all the time and, you know, having some direction in your mind and, and having that, you know, be open and free. It's, it's a very hard space to attain. Um, I know personally as a, as an executive here at the company and a father and, you know, coaching soccer and doing all those things, all of the daily activities that one does and, and things that you want to, you know, you, you want to aspire to be good in your business and you want to do a good job with your family. And, you know, all of those expectations that you set for yourself can really cause you to, you know, get, get, you know, like mentally bogged down and, you know, something I've definitely experienced. So, um, it's really, it's, it's nice to know that there's people out there that that help. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause we are trying to do a lot in today's world, right? If, if we're active parents and, you're trying to launch a, a company or, or run a company or a practice. I mean, it is a lot. I mean, we're we're caring a lot, and it is a, a lot of pressure. And we can't always do things the way that, that we're wanting to do. And in those spaces, we just want to make sure that we're not caking on unnecessary levels of anxiety and worry and stress um, on top of what is already inherently stressful at times. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I mean, especially with the way the technology's trending in the last 10 years with, you know, pretty much everything in our lives are connected to one another. And, you know, it's even like sometimes you can't even get away from anything anymore, right? If you don't turn your phone off and, you know, dedicate your time to the family, you're kind of constantly drawn in another direction or, you know, those cases, which adds to that, that feeling of being, you know, anxious and kind of tied to those thoughts and not being able to let them go to move on to other things. And I think a lot of people get to a space where they don't really know, you know, number one, what is maybe the 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 sign that they are experiencing too much anxiety or too much of these thoughts and feelings that they need to deal with. So I guess how 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 would you go about giving someone advice to just even identifying that, you know, hey, you might need to just take a step back and, you know, assess a few things because I know a lot of people get scared to ask for help and 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 so when do you know that you need some help? When when do you know you need to come talk to Dr. Symington? That's it's a good good question. There there are a few ways that anxiety tends to manifest itself. And obviously people tend to worry, be preoccupied with things in their mind running, um, you know, potential scenarios, negative scenarios through their mind over and over again. Usually sleep is impacted. You don't sleep as well. You just, there's like a general restlessness, feeling emotionally overwhelmed. And the other sign that often shows up is negative ways of coping like you're just start drinking a lot more or eating more like you're using things in the external world um, to basically self-soothe that's that's usually a sign of increased stress and anxiety as well yeah no that's a really good point you know and i i I deal with I don't know, a, a mild level of anxiety. I'm pretty good at managing most stuff that gets thrown my way. And, you know, from time to time, I have to take a step back and, you know, I, and I do, and I, I'm pretty cognizant, I guess, of myself and, you know, I, I, I'll know, oh, uh, I've been in the garage for two hours. Why am I sequestering myself from the family? You know, and sometimes you just got to kind of catch yourself and say, well, wait a minute, uh, what, 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 what am I doing in here? And I've done that a few times and I'm going, I've really just sat in the garage for the last two hours, literally looking, watching nothing, doing nothing, drinking four beers and, you know, thinking to myself, wait a minute, is this, is this really healthy for me? <laughs> right, so, right. You know, I think, mm-hmm. yeah, and how it's hard, I guess some people are like, oh, I can just manage it myself. I don't really need to talk to anybody. And I think that's probably one of the hardest things for people to get past is just knowing when, you know, whatever they're dealing with is a bit more, more than they can handle on their own and taking a step to reach out and ask for help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that often is a real step of courage, uh, is actually recognizing that you do need help and then seeking it. I mean, some people consider that like a sign of weakness. I actually look at it uh, the opposite way, that that's a sign of strength and courage when we recognize there's, there's areas of our life w- that aren't working as well as they could and needing some help from from others to to address that issue to me that that's a total sign of strength and but it's too you know different parts of the country ryan therapy is seen differently like here in la where i have my practice people wear it as a badge it's like well who's your therapist right you know so (laughs) it's a totally different culture but there's a lot of places around the country where 
there's still the stigma actually around. Yeah, like go to go to Boston, for example, right? You know, like uh, folks in Boston are not walking around bragging about their 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 therapist. You know, they're like, you know, nah, I'm I'm too wicked smart for that. <laughs> <laughs> totally, so it's true. Yeah, I definitely agree. Well, you know, I, I was looking at your website and one of the things that I thought was really cool that you have on your site is the worry quiz, right? Something that someone can go on to the to the site, uh, take this worry quiz. It's a confidential assessment meant to help determine how uh, uh, how people uh, worry. So let me let me put you to the test here, a little challenge. I know that these are supposed to be confidential, but why don't you run through the quiz with me live on the air here and, and let's let's see how the quiz works. Okay. How do you feel? Do you, yeah. Can we so do that? Do you have it up in front of you or I, do you want me to bring it up? I do have it. I have it right here. I know that uh, we have uh, what? Let's see here. About 20 some questions here. Okay. So let me just get out my laptop. All right. Because you want me to read the questions to you or do you? I can read. read I can read the questions if you want to just mark down my answers and then we can do an assessment at the end. Okay. Sounds like fun. Yes. <laughs> I'd love to be interactive, right? Because this is the stuff that you have on your site that people can go and check out. So I figure, you know what? Let's uh, let's give them a little taste, um, and then we can also show the audience how worrisome Ryan is. <laughs> okay, let's let's go. All right, so let's see here. The first question is: uh, I worry most days. So I'm going to mark that as a three because I don't really worry a lot, but I'm constantly thinking of stuff. Right. I'm, you know, I'm, what am I worried about? Like today, my daughter went to laser tag and I didn't give her $5 for snacks. I've been, yeah. I've been thinking about that all day. Ryan, can you quickly just give a, a brief description of the scale, what the three is for your listeners? Right. So I guess one would be you strongly disagree with the statement of I worry most days and five being strongly agree. And I'm finding myself right in the middle. Perfect. Okay. All right. So the next one is I frequently feel anxious. Um, so I, I, I am not frequently anxious, so I'm going to mark this a two, um, as there are some moments of anxiety that I have, but it's not frequent. It's, you know, every day or two, I might have a moment of like, Oh, I can't stop thinking about something. <laughs> okay. All right. I feel restless much of the time. I can't sit still no matter whether I'm anxious or not. So, um, I'm always restless. I'm going to mark that a four. Okay. Now I, question there. Mm-hmm. So you think you're just restless as a person and has nothing to do, even if you were in Hawaii on vacation, you could experience some restlessness. I mean, I'm trying to figure out whether mm. it's tied to stress and anxiety or. Yeah, you're probably right, because if I was in Hawaii, I could probably just lay down on the beach and hang out and not do anything. <laughs> okay. But at least when you're in a productive work mode doing life, there, there's restlessness there. Yeah, definitely. Okay. You know, my wife is always telling, here's an example. My wife is always telling me, your timing is really bad. Your brain never shuts off. So I'm trying to do one thing and all of a sudden now you want to game plan what we're doing for tomorrow. I'm not ready for that. <laughs> gotcha. Right? Gotcha. So there would be the restlessness. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. We're ready to go to number four, which is I carry tension in my body. Um, I'm going to mark that a five. I strongly agree. I'm tense. I even have a back issue I'm dealing with right now that is, you know, I don't even know where it's coming from. It wasn't an injury. It's just all of a sudden everything feels tense. 
Okay. So I've been dealing with that for about 10 weeks. I went to the doctor yesterday and uh, he's helping me out. I'm going to the chiropractor and I started doing yoga two weeks ago too, which has been very helpful. So the combination of those three things have been wonderful. Okay. And do you exercise? Um, I mean, my exercise is just like, you know, when I take the dog out in the morning and we play Frisbee and ball and that, you know, we do that for like an hour. And then the other part of the exercise is the yoga that I do. Um, cause the, you know, the yoga is pretty intense. It, it, you get, you get done and you are sore. Like you worked out. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's hard. Oh yeah. Yoga, nothing to, yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's really uh, taxing actually yeah when i went to the doctor yesterday he said stop doing yoga for four days please <laughs> <laughs> you're killing yourself yeah <laughs> he's like just slow it down a little bit let's get this back situation figured out and then you can get back to it all right so uh i carry tension in my body absolutely strongly agree uh let's see number five is i tend to overthink things um no i don't overthink things no, I think about stuff. I figure out what the plan, the solution is, and I'm pretty able to move on. Okay. What number would you give that? Then? I'm, I'm going to give One it. A, I'm going to give it a two. Just, I mean, I do think about stuff quite often, but I'm not necessarily overthinking it. All right. Next. All right. I get stuck in worrisome thoughts where it's hard to focus on anything else. So if I am worried about something, uh, then yes, it's very difficult to focus on other stuff because I am completely focused on you know, what I'm worried about. Now, when I get worried about something, it's gotta be a pretty major thing. Like today, my, my kid didn't have $5 for snacks. Now, I'm not, uh, I'm not constantly worried about that. I'm not constantly thinking about that or focusing on it where it's impacting me today. Um, now, if there was something going on, like my mom had to go to the doctor today and you know, whatever, she's uh, an elderly person and then I'd probably be, I'd probably think about that, but it still wouldn't consume me. So. At times I could get stuck, but most of the time I don't. So I guess I'm gonna give that a three. Okay. All right. Uh, imagine scenarios and think about what could go wrong. I imagine scenario. Well, I do because that's just risk mitigation and something anybody should probably do. If you think about, okay, if I do this, what could go wrong? But is it, is the question in intending to know if like, does it consume you? Do you do it all the time? Yeah, and, and I'm definitely not thinking about it in let's say a business context or like just good life management give, yeah give me give me an example uh when uh when i get in my car um and get on the freeway somebody may sort of change lanes and swerve into me and i'm going to get in a car accident um, okay so that i only do that when i ride my motorcycle <laughs> well yeah i mean Motorcycles are fairly dangerous. Um, yeah, but maybe that's one thing. If I'm in a car, I'm just like, hey, I'm in a car, I'm going. My wife, on the other hand, she's she's a little bit different story. She's like, yeah, I don't want. She she tries to avoid driving on the freeway because she overthinks what might happen on the freeway. Yeah, yeah. I, so, I, overthinking negative scenarios might be too. Let's say your kids go away to a camp, and you're imagining all of these sort of negative events that could happen to them, life-threatening, and that would that invites anxiety into your life. It doesn't sound like you're yeah, super- I, I think about it, don't get me wrong, because every day when my daughter leaves, I'm like, I hope I don't have to go and beat somebody up today. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so let's give that a two. Got it. All right, let's see, that's number eight. It's hard for me to be present when feeling worried or anxious. That is, um, you know, I'm going to give that a four for sure. Cause it is, if you're worried or anxious about something, it's really hard to be present in anything else other than that moment. Yes. 
I replay negative past events in my mind. Mm. So, you know, I read this article fuck, uh, uh, a couple of weeks ago and it was like, you know, that you should just rip your rear view mirror off your car and always look <laughs> forward, right? So it was a great analogy. Now I think about things that have happened in the past, but it doesn't consume me. So I'm just gonna, I'm gonna give that a two because I, I think about stuff only because I draw from those experiences so I don't make the same mistakes again or you know those types of things. Yeah. I tend okay. to, okay, so given that a two, number 10, I tend to study and analyze my worries. No, not, I'm gonna give that a one. <laughs> All right, when I have a worrisome thought, I feel the need to push it out of my mind. No, I, I, wanna, I wanna solve it. <laughs> okay, good. What am I worried about, why? Let's fix it. Mm -hmm. My wife goes, you can't fix everything right now. I'm like, why not? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, and that can be adaptive and helpful. And hurtful. And, and hurtful, right, because sometimes we have worrisome thoughts come into our mind where really there's nothing that can be solved at least in that moment but we we want to neutralize that threat we want to find some sort of solution and that's where we can go away in our head and get stuck in a worry loop and even though it's eight o'clock and we're we really should be winding down and, and get some rest and, and get ready for bed so it, it just there's a lot of depends on that one yeah, and I mean, it, it, and it is, it's a lot of depends because let's say I have a tight deadline for something tomorrow and I've been working hard on something all day. I could have finished the project and think that I'm done with the project, know that I've done everything with the project. I'm still gonna have a restless evening going through everything in my head a second time, making sure that it doesn't happen. And when eight o'clock rolls around and I'm trying to go to sleep, I probably won't make it to bed till midnight that night because I am thinking about all of those things. That does happen to me. And um, in, in, a, in, a, in a situation where I have, um, like I have to perform, like there's no ifs, ands, or buts about failure. It has to be correct. Um, in that case, then I can be a little, um, what did my wife call me? Groomzilla. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because <laughs> that is a lot of pressure, right? I mean, you're, you're preparing for something where you really have to be on and, and perform at, at a certain level. And it is, it is a lot harder to sort of relax and, and let go when really it, your body and, and your mind is anticipating this upcoming event, right? This, this performance piece. And we could, we could talk more about that actually and the importance of unplugging and transitioning. Like mm -hmm. when you go from a work being productive space to being with family or uh, trying to get in a more uh, restful um, space so that you can get a good night's sleep. That you have to make sure that you unplug your brain hours and hours ahead of time. But we, we could get more into the details of that later if you want. Yeah, but I think that's a really good point though. And I think that's something that I personally struggle with a lot. Like I'll go to turn my brain off and you know I, I should have I done something earlier. You know, I, tr I try to do that like at dinner, right? Like sitting down with the family, you know, having dinner, whether it's a, you know, a, 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 hey, we ordered a pizza and we're watching some TV while we eat, or it's one of those like, hey, my wife or dad made an actual nice dinner and we're sitting down and there is no television and we're focused on family time. You know, either one of those scenarios, that's where I try to like turn my brain off. But sometimes what happens is what I grab, I reach for my phone 
mm-hmm. and I check emails for work and it starts all over again. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so so like, I have a hard time letting go is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's what can be helpful for people are mental boundaries that we actually need to erect boundaries around our mind. And so let's say you're, you've been at the studio working really hard prepping for something that's going to happen tomorrow. You want to unplug your mind as soon as you walk away from your place of, of work and get in your car, even though your mind will naturally want to scroll through the to-do list and everything that needs to happen, everything that you've done and, and want to double check and triple check things. So you you have to do something very intentional and new in that space because the default will just carry you there. But that's really where it would start. If you want to get a good night's sleep, you have to exercise good mental hygiene right there because it takes a while to decompress and to de-energize that that whole system. Now, along with that, you'd almost want to have like a a protocol or a a ritual, especially if if there's a big performance, uh, you have to be on your game the next the next day in, in a big way where you you protect your person from the stimulus so maybe you don't look at your phone you're not allowed to check email you don't even go on social media you don't you basically insulate yourself from from different things that could ping you and reactivate that network that basically just started cooling down and <laughs> will flare up in a moment's notice yeah and really be clear on what your values are in that home context, right? That So it's not just that you're trying to protect yourself from stress and a bad night's sleep, but you also wanna be present with loved ones and you wanna, you wanna be fully available to them. So it's always good to focus on the positive thing that you're trying to do, not just removing the negative. It's like, so you're doubling down on, I'm really going to listen intently to you know my wife and my kids and, and be present. And when my mind goes to work, I'm just going to keep redirecting it back, you know, to them and be curious about them. And so you have this positive thing, this right. mission that you're doing as you're protecting your mind. Hey, that that's, that's really good advice because for me specifically, I have a tendency to, you know, um, I'll give you an example. So if I want to build something, right, and I've never done it before, I can guarantee you in about 48 hours, I would have read about every material I can find online on how to do A, B, C, and D of whatever project I want to do. Um, and that's just kind of like my mentality. It's like, oh, I've never done that before. Okay, let me go figure out how to do that. Um, and then you immerse yourself in that area and sometimes in that immersive space, right, which is actually for me, it's like a creative space for me. I, I go there and I'm like, you know, uh, an example, I, I I went to radio school and I didn't know how to edit video. And so I'm like, all right, I need to learn how to edit video. So I started reading books and, you know, teaching myself and I bought two different kinds of software and, you know, and then four weeks later, I'm, I'm editing video and my friends are going like, 
when when did you edit video? And I'm like, oh, I just started four weeks ago. Here, I made a I made a seven minute video short. Check this out, right? And <laughs> and 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 you just just that's like the type of person I am. Oh, my wife needs something fixed on her car. Oh, I've never fixed that before. Brakes and oil changes. Oh, no problem. Oh, how do I do the brake master cylinder? Oh, I don't know. YouTube. Here we go. I'm figuring that out. <laughs> um, and and I kind of take that approach with everything. But just like saying, hey, I want to fix something now, you can't always fix it now, and you can't always delve so deep into something that you alienate your responsibilities, your family and those things. And so in some spaces, as much as it's great to be creative in those areas and dive into that, it's also kind of a negative thing at times because I'm not present in some areas that I should be. Yes. Yeah. And, and just being very clear with yourself exactly what it is that you're doing, like the, the, the what your mission is in that moment. So maybe you are wanting to immerse yourself in how to edit videos, but you're declaring that to yourself and that's a choice. And then there are consequences that you can't be editing videos and then also throwing the baseball, you know, outside, right? You know I mean? So it, it's a choice and just being clear and declarative with yourself in terms of the choice that, that you're making and where that can help is because it sounds like you're very curious about a lot of different things. And when you decide to do something, you're all in, you, you don't go halfway, you're just, you know, fully yeah, my, go for it. my so, dad calls it Jack of all trades, master of none. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you, but you jump in completely, which means that you're not going to be available in other ways. And so just right. knowing that about your person, it's important that before you say, yeah, I'm going to do that thing with the car. It's like, okay, but, what are my priorities tonight or, or this week? Is that how I want to use my time rather than it just kind of happening? Yeah, I think a lot of people get so stuck in their mind though that they you know, maybe don't have the, uh, the capacity or bandwidth at the time to take that step back to make that realization, right? Like, you know, there's one thing in my life with my kids and I'm sure you understand this. Like if I have to work late for whatever reason and I make it home and I miss bedtime, I feel like, man, I like, I feel like I gotta be home no matter what. I gotta be there to tuck my kid into bed. You know? I'm the same way. And, and there's been a few times where I've missed that and I feel really bad about it, you know, and then, you know, my daughter doesn't say anything. It's not like she's like, yeah, you missed me. She knows I work and she understands the value of hard work. At least I think she does. She's five, but she sees that she sees the example that mom and dad put forth. So I know she understands that, but yeah, it's just challenging to know that, you know, I can't immerse myself in this because I'm going to miss bedtime. And for me, that's been something that's been real helpful uh, for, for myself is just, just remembering that one thing every day that's extremely important to me which is that bedtime component and if I keep my eye on that I've been very well about being able to just be like up oh, at six o'clock I gotta stop I could finish this yeah. tomorrow yeah because you don't want to experience that that loss right missing yeah that that loss to me is much more you know and I hate to say this maybe a lot of people think differently but I'm try I, I try so hard to put the family first I feel like missing that is a, a, a harder hit to my psyche than if I was to miss a deadline for work mm-hmm yeah, I get it. I, I get it. I, I think it's in many ways healthy, Brian. All right, let's see here. We were uh, just going on to number 12, right? So uh, the last one was when I have worrisome thoughts, I feel the need to push that out of my mind. I marked that number three, right in the middle, right? Okay, uh, yeah. When feeling worried or anxious, I feel compelled to seek reassurance by talking to others or doing research online. Hmm. When feeling worried or anxious, I don't know. I just feel compelled to seek reassurance and doing research online all the time anyways. 
<laughs> yeah, but that, it's not necessarily tied to anxious worry. Right. So I'm I'm gonna give that a two. Um, there are some times where when I get a little anxious about family stuff, I do reach like I'm trying to get reassurance on how I'm thinking for my wife, um, which does tend to drive her a little crazy from time to time when when I get into that space. So I don't want to say I disagree because it doesn't ever happen. So I'll give that a two. Okay. Got uh, it. Um, I often debate or try to refute my anxious worries. Uh, <laughs> no, not really. I just, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a big like it is what it is kind of thing. Okay. So I, I'm going to give that a two. I don't want to say I completely disagree, but all right. Okay. I, I get angry or upset with myself when I unnecessarily worry or get anxious. I'm going to strongly disagree with that. <laughs> okay. All right. I avoid thoughts or subjects that make me feel anxious. Depends on what it is. Most of the time, not really. So I'll give that a two as well. Okay. So, all right. When I feel anxious, I actively try to get rid of the feeling. Um, I strongly agree with that. I do. Right. I try to get rid of it. One of the things that I do as soon as I start to feel anxious, right? And I feel that I start to try to do the 10, like 10 second deep breaths. Okay. Right. To try to get that feeling go away. I hate feeling anxious. To me, it's like the worst feeling in the world. Yeah, right? it that is. It's like your skin is crawling almost. You feel that inside. It's just, ah, I hate it. So yeah, that's what I, I try to breathe. <laughs> it's the mental, emotional, and physical experience of being under threat. Something you care about in life feels like it's at, you know, at risk. And it's a very, very uncomfortable feeling that we all naturally reflexively try to shift and change right yeah i think in that case i definitely agree and in a lot of cases too i i, I wholeheartedly believe in like aromatherapy too there's something to do with like you know some lavender and some mint and some of those scents that you put together that are extremely calming and relaxing when you have an anxious feeling um, something my wife taught me she has a diffuser in her office and um, you know she when she gets to be some anxious she puts a couple of drops of that in there and takes a step back maybe goes for a walk and comes back and you know she's 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 doing much better and I started to kind of uh, embrace that at first I was like man that's stinky until I stopped for just a second and cleared my mind for a minute and allowed me to experience it you know that's really interesting i don't know the neuroscience behind that but i suspect that that those scents that the the aroma and using your olfactory sense and taking that in it ends up releasing certain neurochemicals that induce soothing and relaxation but that I'm actually going to go to my database later and see if there's any articles about that. That's interesting. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, cause it's definitely been helpful for me. Um, you know, I've, I've been, my, my wife uh, has dealt with anxiety for her whole life. And so she has like a rollerball that she keeps with her that has the scents and stuff in it. And sometimes I'll be like, Hey, let me see your lavender rollerball. And I'll just put like, you know, a little bit on my wrist or something like that. And yeah, I don't know what it is, but uh, those smells definitely do some soothing when you have that anxious, tense feeling of, uh, of not knowing or worry for sure. For me anyways. Okay. So right. do, how many questions do we have left there? We have, I think we have three here. So uh, 17 was I avoid situations or activities that make me feel anxious. And so um, I don't completely disagree. I've never really canceled anything because I felt anxious. So I'll give that a two. And then I cancel scheduled act, uh, activities when I feel anxious. So I'll strongly disagree there for sure. Cause I just do, I just go anxious, okay. anxious or not anxious. I just go. 
That's healthy. All right. My anxiety or stress. Say that again. I I was just going to say that anxiety's greatest nemesis, um, or let's let me uh, describe it differently. One of the major fuel sources for anxiety is avoidance, avoidance behaviors. It escalates the anxious pattern because there there's something called the threat center of the brain that's always looking for potential threats to self, right? Things that could be harmful to us or uh, risk the things that we value and care about Mm -hmm. in life. And this threat center of the brain, it has an extremely low IQ and it's very trigger happy, right? Because (laughs) it would would rather um, falsely sound the alarm then miss something that would kill you and then it's game over, right? So it, it tends to trigger and show up and and send the fear signal. Some people call it the fight or flight response in, in spaces where it doesn't belong. Let's say some people don't like going on freeway overpasses and the, the, the threat center of the brain tags that as like a danger to self when, it, when it's perfectly safe, right? And what happens is if we have a fear experience, so that threat center shows up in a space where it really doesn't belong. And then we begin avoiding that activity, that situation, whatever it might be. We confirm the threat status of that activity. We basically confirm it and we say to the threat center of the brain, thank you so much for letting me know about that that dangerous thing. And yes, I'm gonna stay away from it. And anytime I get close to that, event or that activity, please let me know. And it'll let you know in the form of anxiety, you see. So you you basically, you keep confirming that the threat, that yes, it is a genuine threat. And it just gets worse and worse, where even just thinking about driving on an overpass will trigger the fight or flight response. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, 100%. You know, um, I, I've, I've experience that not with myself but with family members you know that the the idea of just completely avoiding it all the time actually just makes um you know their retreat into themselves even worse um you know i tell my daughter all the time you know she's not really a worrisome kid um I had done an interview with uh, an, uh, with uh, Dr. Patel, and she wrote a book um, called Nina and Her Worries, which is uh, a book to help children uh, deal with their anxieties. And it's like a workbook, right? So after I had done the interview with her, I bought the book and then took it home. And my daughter and I, we read it and, you know, we talked about, you know, hey, if you worry about this. And, you know, it was really cool to just kind of see how strong my kid was with the fact that she wasn't really, you know, uh, you know, worried about, you know, those types of things. But then I, I turn around, I see other family members who, you know, like you, you see that they're reclusive, um, you know, and avoidance on, on several different things. And then, you know, you're just like, man, how do you ever get better or 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 get outside of your shell if you're constantly, you know, reclusive and, and, and you're not saying, OK, I got to challenge myself to get out of this. I have to challenge myself to try and go and be and do something different than I've been doing and stop avoiding it. And I think sometimes people might even be surprised at how delightful an experience would be just by going and trying, you know? Yes, yes. And when I'm working with patients that have phobias or different anxieties, whether it's a driving anxiety or flying anxiety, they're surprised by how 
quickly they can feel less anxious about the dreaded activity. That this threat center of the brain can recalibrate very, very quickly by exposure, so actually doing the activity that you've been staying away from, combined with acting in ways that are incongruent with an emergency. So what I what I mean by that, I occasionally will get in a car with a patient who has driving anxiety. So I'm there with them. I'm live, you know, doing exposure therapy with them and coaching them through it. Right. So let's say we're we're on that overpass, that fight or flight kicks in uh, for for my patient. And so there they are exposing themselves to this thing that's supposedly dangerous, right? So the threat center sitting there collecting data saying, oh no, this, this is gonna be the end, this is gonna be the end, right? But we keep driving, right? So it, it, it's learning and taking that new data. While that's taking place, I'm also uh, coaching them around relaxing their muscles and taking deep breaths and focusing on the road ahead. If if you're if a predator is coming after you or your house is on fire right you are not taking deep breaths and relaxing your muscles right you are you're you're preparing for that danger and you're you're trying to navigate the emergency and so the threat center of the brain also notices the relaxed muscles and and a type of breathing and other things that are not compatible with an emergency and then it turns down that anxious dial, right? So it's through both experience and then acting in ways that are not congruent with the threat. A person can go from being highly anxious around a particular activity to really a week or two later, that anxiety being much more tolerable and then really dissipate completely over time. It's remarkable to see. It's like, it's like reps with sports, right? You, you have to kind of go, oh, I'm not very good at catching a ball. Well, then go catch the ball. Right. Yeah. You know, you know I'm not, I, I'm, I'm kind of afraid of going over the overpass. All right. Well then let's go over the overpass. Yes. You know, and it's, yeah. it's like those repetitions of going through that. All right. So number 19, my anxiety or stress causes me to miss out on many things in life. I strongly disagree with that for me uh, and worry influences the decisions I make. I'm not going to strongly disagree. I'll mark that as two. Cause sometimes it's not the worry. I, I worry about making the wrong decision. Mm-hmm. Got it. I think that's with everybody though, right? You know, you want to make a sound finance. Do I refinance my house or not? Interest rates went just went down a, a point and a half. I don't know. Does it make financial sense? I don't know. I don't have a financial planner, <laughs> you know? Exactly. And so some of those yeah. things are just, you know, kind of standard. So I think there's a little there. All right. And then on the last section of your, of your, uh, your form, it's asking if you're a man or a woman. So I'm definitely a man, a male. And, um, uh, <laughs> I am age in between 31 and 40. I'm not 30. I'm closer to 40. So there you go. Okay. And then All right. uh, let me let me let me send this to you so you have it. Yeah, well I could give you my impressions right away, even before you send that to me if you like. Oh yeah, let's do it. So all right, we have to do the drum roll, right? We have a drum roll in studio audience, all that good stuff. So Dr. Scott Symington, how did Ryan do with the worry quiz? So Ryan, I would not classify you as an anxious warrior. And however, I do believe that you your stress level is pretty high and that you need to implement some some activities in your life and i think yoga is is right in line with with what i'm thinking that you need to build some things into your life to lower your stress because 
you you've really you've got a Maserati engine inside, right? Like it <laughs> that doesn't mean that you're anxious. It just means that there's a lot of energy in there, which is is an asset. I, I think it helps you accomplish a lot and tend to a lot of important things in life. It also runs at extremely high RPMs and 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 that is a form of stress and that means that you can have some physical ailments your sleep can be disrupted it can be hard to relax and just kind of come into the present moment because you're redlining a little bit so you have to with when you have a maserati in there right and and run at higher rpms you have to be really diligent about implementing different things in your life one exercise for sure is critical to uh, to turn down the volume. Obviously, diet can make a you know a huge impact. I think the other thing that you could benefit from. I didn't know. I don't know if you knew what you were signing up for here, Ryan. But I'm just going to go here uh, for a moment. <laughs> no, no, it's great. It's this, and this is exactly what I think the audience needs to hear right there. You know, uh, by 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 reviewing or looking at some of these kind of identifiers, right? We're able to kind of give an evaluation, right? And I like that immediately after I filled out the quiz, right? It gave me back a score, right? I'm a 49. And then it gives you these uh, tips and some challenges that you can do, you know, taking 10 minutes to breathe and all that. And so you don't need, I know you know what is on the website here and what it says, but you know, and then here you are kind of giving some even more in-depth components around this. This is an invaluable tool for people. I mean, you guys go to the website, uh, drsymington.com, click on the link quiz and take the quiz. It gives you the, you know, the information back right away. And, and, and this is, yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah. So the, the other um, things that come to mind uh, for you is just putting boundaries, mental boundaries around that sort of productive mode that you can be in that problem solving taking care of business mode that that you be a little bit more diligent and thoughtful around okay you know as soon as i leave the office i am now going to redirect my thoughts and life energy to other places and i think you almost have to designate for yourself what that new location is like and and make sure that you're clear on the mission so it's not just don't do this but have another place to go that that you're that you're anticipating, um, you know, in a positive way. Yeah, like like football season getting ready to start, right? So I can go. All right, I'm getting off of work. I just finished my project at six o'clock. Oh, I need to know what's going on with the Arizona Cardinals, right? Mm-hmm. And then that's a way to redirect, right? You know, the the thought. I'm not thinking about work. I'm thinking about something else that I care about. I'm in the car. I'm driving home. I'm starting that decompression process. Yes, yes, and when your mind sort of drifts off into that workspace, you just gently redirect it back to ESPN or <laughs> the person you're talking to or the road in front of you, right? So you don't you don't beat yourself up for it, thinking about work. You just keep gently redirecting back because thoughts and feelings, like everything else on the planet, they need energy to keep going. And and, and a couple of the energy sources are spotlight of attention. So that's when you're sitting there and putting the spotlight of attention on that thought and running it through your mind over and over. That gives it juice. The other thing that gives it juice is reactivity, right? Like a, oh no, or kind of a resistance or a push. So even as you're implementing this new positive thing, you want to f- 
free the system of reactivity. You just keep redirecting that spotlight of attention to the cardinals, to your family, to whatever else is interesting or important to you in life. But that doesn't mean that the work stuff isn't going to sort of vie for your attention or try pulling you over. It probably will. It, and oh, I'll, it takes- I'll, I'll get into the space and then someone will call me and have a work question. I'm sure it'll happen at some point because that's just the nature of the beast of uh, any any business. But if you can do, you know, like the other, the other portions, like setting those boundaries and let's say, you know, if there's, you know, 25 working days in a given month and in those 25 or 30 working days in a month if you can get you know uh you know the majority of those like let's say 20 of the 25 days you're able to have that boundary have everything static and everything's great and only five of those 25 days did you know some customer or coworker or somebody call you on your cell phone because of an emergency in that space where you should be decompressing right mm-hmm. yeah and and that that's that would be a huge shift yeah, agreed. Man, I really appreciate you jumping on, uh, Dr. Scott Symington. Make sure you guys go get a copy of the book, uh, Freedom from Anxious Thoughts and Feelings, an easy way of applying mindfulness in the moment so you can experience mental and emotional freedom. You know, breaking free from worries and anxious feelings, defusing those cravings and unhealthy urges, and of course, apply mindfulness in the moment. Go get the book on Amazon, Freedom from Anxious Thoughts and Feelings. Thank you so much, Dr. Scott Symington, for being on the show. We really appreciate it. Ryan, it was a lot of fun, and um, you're very courageous, you know, going live with uh, taking the worry quiz and, and being open to feedback. That was a lot of fun. Hey, you know what? I wasn't worried about it. <laughs> See? <laughs> you're, confirming. you're confirming it. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for tuning in to this episode of Finding Your Frequency. Make sure you check out the next episode as we continue bringing you some fantastic guests, you know, authors, speakers, entrepreneurs, you know, all the greatest folks around that we can bring you to share their knowledge and expertise in all these areas. Word of wisdom, stop worrying about it. Get the book. Call Dr. Scott Symington. He'll take care of you. Good guy. Los Angeles, California, right? Yep, Pasadena. Fantastic. Thank you so much for tuning in, guys. Check us out all over Twitter, at Radio Ryan 1, at Jeff Spinney 2, and of course, the main Voice America, at Voice America Media. And then you can check out the website, findingyourfrequency.net. Stay tuned for another episode of Finding Your Frequency right here on voiceamerica.com, the leader in live internet talk radio.